Welcome to episode 282 of Destination Linux, a Tux Digital podcast. Whether you're brand new to open source or a guru of sudo, this is the podcast for you. My name is Michael. I'm Jill. And I'm Ryan. And the reason we're not live on Sunday, because I have a little bit of emergency I got to go do this weekend. So you're welcome. No, I'm Michael. I'm Michael. I'm the one who caused us not to record no, on see, Sunday. I, I mess up the timing of when we start, <laughs> not what day we do it on. So oh, holy yeah. different. But on the bright side, this is going to be released on the usual time, so they get the episode that's fully edited way sooner than normal, so there You're is a welcome, people. There. You're welcome. There you go. Yay. And on this week's episode of Destination Linux, we're going to be talking about some amazing things happening on mobile for Linux. Then we'll be discussing some enhancements with Fwapda. What'd you just call me? Fwapda. <laughs> not you. Rude, that's Michael. Just, that's, what, that's, oh. what it's, that's not what it's called, but that's how I like to say it. We'll, we'll talk about more details when we get to that part of the show. Plus, we have our tips, tricks, and software picks. All of this and so much more coming up right now on Destination Linux. This week, let's find out what Jill has been up to lately. So, Jill, what have you been up to this week? So now, me and Ryan both have our Steam decks. Woohoo! Look at that. Oh, it's so nice. (laughs) That's great for you. That's great. Yeah. I'm happy for you. I'm happy for you. This is, I'm not, I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter, Valve. It's okay. I just wanted to say that even though you both are concurrently holding a Steam Deck, I am now convinced (laughs) that it's a mythical creature that will never exist. Oh, what? Sorry. I was busy playing with my Steam Deck. I didn't hear any of that. Yeah. (laughs) So, Jill, how has it been? (laughs) Using the Steam Deck. It's, it's been wonderful. It, it actually came last Monday. And I l- absolutely love it. And I think it's a fantastic device. Uh, Gabe Newell has done it at Valve with, with this uh, bringing uh, Linux to the masses and Linux gaming to the masses. This is not just an evolutionary change. Honestly, I think this is a revolutionary change. Mm. It, it might not be the year of the Linux desktop, but it is the year of the deck top. And <laughs> the Linux deck top. <laughs> uh, yes, the Linux nice. deck top. Nice. <laughs> uh, what I love is it has a nice size screen that is big enough for me to see detail, even though I only see with one eye. You know, I have I still have to put it right up to my nose to see um, a lot of the small writing, but it's still it's big enough. I was I was worried about that. <laughs> and it's so it's really really nice and and bright. And honestly, it's the first portable gaming device I've ever owned where I can actually see the screen easily. <laughs> I don't have this the PlayStation Vita or the Switch. So I I don't have that to compare it to. <laughs> well, let me tell you, I have both of those and this blows both of those out of the water. The screen's way cool. bigger. The way it feels is better than those. I'm not a huge Nintendo Switch fan to begin with, but I thought what they did from a design of making gaming portable like they did was revolutionary at the time. Of course, it's been out now for, what, eight years or more? But I yeah. thought it was revolutionary. But this this is a whole new level or take on that because of the type of games that you can play. Everything on Nintendo is like 60 bucks too. And mm-hmm. this is so much more reasonable. You, when you think about Steam sales and summer sales and all of those things that go on and all the games you've already acquired, being able to play all of those on this device is amazing. But yeah. One of my favorite things is, of course, the ability to just dock it and use it as a computer, too, which 
I think just gives you this extra excuse to your spouse of why you have to have one. You know? In fact, uh, Ryan, I just ordered a powered USB-C C hub, a really nice powered one, so I can hook a keyboard, mouse, and monitor to it, and uh, maybe even my mic <laughs> for a future podcast. We could do a show off of the Steam Deck. How cool would that be? Well, no. me, you could, Jill. Michael yeah. couldn't participate. Yeah, we uh, couldn't do a show, at least for another few yeah. months. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, poor Michael. It's like, that is something put in our... I don't know why Gabe doesn't like you, but he hey. sent me a letter <laughs> and said, I'm never sending that Steam Deck Aww. to Michael, so... I don't know. I think he just Weird. doesn't like the lights in the background. I'm not sure if that's it. Could be. The other things that are wonderful about the Steam Deck <laughs> are the controls. They are so wonderful and easy to use. I, I love having... It's, it's like the Steam controller, but better. And um, mm -hmm. it has an awesome sound system. You know, worked beautifully with every game I've tried, and including a uh, uh, Portal and Cairo and Antichamber and some of my favorite games. Nice. And it's really nice that it has a curated uh, page with uh, all the the games That's in your library. So awesome! Yeah. That work perfectly on the Steam Deck. That so you don't have really to guess. Nice you don't feature. have to go and look up. Does this game work in Proton and that stuff? They've curated it already for your list and then if you find games that aren't curated you can actually submit them right there in the menu and that's what michael is yeah. talking about is how well the software is done on this thing yeah like it is so user-friendly but also has all of those extra features that you would want in something like this for sure yeah absolutely and one of the games on here that i highly recommend uh, new users to the Steam Deck use is Aperture Desk Job. It's uh, Valve's brilliant and short Steam Deck training tutorial for using the controller. And it is amazing. It even at the at the end of the game, it gives you a little hint into what happened to Cave Johnson. So <laughs> this is what we wanted several years ago from a Steam machine. Even better because it's portable. Definitely going to bring Linux to the masses, and it's the year, once again, of the Linux desktop. I love it. I'm so glad you're enjoying it, Jill. I love mine, too. <laughs> Michael, you can enjoy the Steam Deck through our enjoyment of the yeah. Steam Deck. So there's that. Aww. I can't think of the word where you're like, you're, you enjoy something on someone else's behalf. Living vicariously. There you go. Yeah. Live vicariously I, through yeah. Jill and I because we're enjoying it so much. We're smiling, giggling, laughing. <laughs> we're playing games together without you when you're not around. Like, it's just, it's a blast. Well, while you're thinking about that, living vicariously through Jill and I, let's get into community feedback because this week's feedback comes from Tux. Like, the literal logo of yeah. Linux has reached out to us. Awesome. The mascot, which was pretty cool. If you want to send your own feedback, you can go to tuxdigital.com slash contact to get in touch with us, or you can join the Tux Digital community forum by going to tuxdigital.com and clicking on the forum link at the top of the page. So Tux goes on to say, since Destination Linux is my favorite podcast, so the mascot of Linux favorite podcast is Destination Linux. How awesome is that? That makes so much sense, and we appreciate that very much. Yep. And I listen to it all the time. I thought I would write you a message. I've been running Ubuntu on my old laptop since early 2020, but I only switched full over to Linux in January 2022. Since then, I've been listening to DL all the time, and it has been instrumental in igniting my passion for Linux. How awesome is that? I currently run OpenSUSE Tumbleweed, great choice, with KDE Plasma, 
And a big thanks to Ryan for making this video on Tumbleweed, as is what made me switch to it. And also Michael, eh, probably less Michael. Can we agree on that? You can let, send us another email. Like mostly me. What like percentage maybe, are you appreciative yeah, of Ryan and myself? Which one has the percentage? Is it 51% me or 75% Why would me? you start with what? 51% you? <laughs> because, I mean, the only options are either it's either 50%, 51% me or 75% me. So... The you know. The question is, what's more important, the distro or the desktop manager? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so I think it's mostly me, but uh, Michael <laughs> will let him send us an email, the literal mascot of Linux, and let us know. Uh, but they could thank you for Michael, I guess, for introducing me to the awesomeness that is Plasma. I'm wondering if you all could talk about your favorite lesser known or smaller YouTube channels are, Linux related or not. I think it would be a good way to bring attention to the work that these channels are doing, as well as being a little glimpse into what you like doing and learning outside of podcasting and making videos. My favorite lesser known YouTube channel is called Planet Linux and is Linux channel with tutorials, tips, tricks, distro reviews, etc. I really like the host style of narrating videos. It makes you feel like you're having a conversation with them instead of just someone talking at you about the subject. Thank you all for making such a great podcast and it would make my year if you would read this on the show. Well, we just made Aww. your year. Congratulations. <laughs> awesome you made text. it on the show. So let's talk about the YouTube channels that I watch on a regular basis. I think number one, I need more Jill in my life always. So Linux Gamecast Aww. has to be at the top there because I even though I get to do the show with Jill and I get to hang out with Jill in the after show and I'm gonna see Jill for the first time at scale, I could still get more Jill in Linux Gamecast, which is pretty awesome. So that's one that has to be at the top of the list. <laughs> uh Steve's very own, the Sunday Linux Coffee Clutch. Uh, wonderful Clatch. Not Clutch. <laughs> Although that's another name. You could make the Clutch and Clutch together if you want. But Steve's very own is just awesome. He's a member of this community, does a fantastic show on Sunday mornings. It's just very casual hangout, discussing Linux or anything else going on that the crew is interested in. And Steve is just such a super nice dude. Also helps out with Linux Saloon from time to time. So definitely add Steve's very own. It's a great pre-show, I think, to Destination Linux. Like watch that, mm -hmm. get you going, then come and watch the Destination Linux on Sundays. Then Rob Braxman Tech has some really interesting tech videos. Specifically, I really like his stuff related to cellular. And mm -hmm. uh, of course, Dr. Disrespect would be something non-Linux related. Wow. That's a gaming channel. And I just like the, the stupid 80s look and the wig and the mustache. Yeah, and so it gets fun. me like it's fun to watch sometimes. And Tyrone Magnus's reaction videos. I typically hate reaction videos, but I like his reaction videos. He's just a really fun personality and a cool person. So it's like Marvel stuff or anything else going on. He'll do some reactions too. And he just has such a great essence about him and energy that I like watching his videos. Nice. So Michael, what are some YouTube channels you like besides my channel, of course? Well, I mean, yeah, your channel's all right. Well, <laughs> so... So there's uh, Nicolo, I'm not sure if I'm saying it right, but Nicolo from KDE has his own channel where he does some fun videos from a KDE perspective, like from a KDE developer's perspective, like a KDE developer tries out GNOME and that sort of stuff. It's just really cool to see those. Also, there's this channel that's called Tenel Vision. 
I'm not sure mm. if anybody's heard no, of that. Yes. That one got banned off off YouTube. No, it's 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 definitely back. I checked it. It's there. Okay. For those huh. who don't know, Tanel Vision is the new name of my channel. Now you'll still see Michael Tanel when I publish things, but it says Tanel Vision when you go to the banner and everything like that. So that's the new channel. Nothing's really changed except I changed the name. But there you go. Uh, did you work a stool into the new logo? I did not. You need. To I fix I that. feel I feel like I have disappointed everyone. You have. Aww. I yeah. did not. I will go. Next I time. will immediately right after the show fix this complete blight Put a stool on in the there. design. And thank you. Yes. Okay. Okay. So the other thing I would I wanted I wanted to cover was a uh, pitch meeting. I think pitch meeting is awesome. It's hilarious. It's not super small, but it's fantastic. And for those who have not seen it, it's essentially someone taking the concept of a, any particular movie or TV show and then making a video where one person is pitching the show or movie to an to the executive and basic it's just a it's a comedy sketch thing and it's fantastic because they essentially pick apart the sh- the movie or the show and point out all the flaws or weirdness of it and just have fun with it this reminds me of bad lip reading though that's another one i should have added to my list you guys ever seen bad lip oh, reading that's trailers yeah where they yeah, basically dub over what they the lip reading because since michael you said you're an expert in lip reading uh, in the pre-show when we were doing stuff that people can't see, so they have no reference to this. You know, <laughs> Great that callback. Probably, that's, a very, <laughs> that's a very, very important callback for everyone. Yeah. Uh, yeah, since you're great at lip reading, you might like that. I'm actually reading. impressed by the bad lip reading one because I, I can't see any words when I look at the lip reading of the... Of like, if I try to actually lip read, I have, I have no idea. So the fact that they could even come up with new things that that person didn't actually say, that's impressive too. It's amazing and yeah. hilarious. Oh, wow. Yeah. So the, the next one I wanted to cover is Jell's Marble Run. And this is ridiculous and awesome. So essentially imagine Olympics with full commentary, but every participant in those Olympics are marbles. Woohoo. That's 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 the <laughs> premise of this channel. It's, and it's it's ridiculous because he puts in so much effort of creating different teams and creating different like special events and all this other stuff. But the funny part about it is that the effort put into it with the commentary and the special effects with like having the marquees rolling across and stuff. It's just I'm really silly, starting to fun. rethink our friendship based on this list. I'm it's glad <laughs> that it's at this point in no, the first of all in all the series we've done that this is the point where I question our friendship. Okay. But oh, this no. is it. Right you're gonna here. watch these and you're gonna be like, I get it now, hundred percent. And pitch mini, there's if you the fact that you haven't seen it shocks me. We're gonna fix that after the show. Right. But the next one you I I can guarantee you are going to like. It's called Ryan's Edits. The reason why is because it is Star Trek fan edits. And it uh. is taking, like, they have different types of series, and they have one that I love called Star Trek Intakes, where they take outtakes and re-edit them back into the show as if they're part of the show. Yes, yes. It's that, that is a brilliant channel. Good choice. <laughs> All right, Jill, now that we've got the rundown of how weird Michael is, tell us about your YouTube channel. <laughs> this is channel only pick. a few of my weird okay. channels. Okay, so I'm going to say real quick here... Uh, I like Dr. Disrespect as well on Twitch. Nice. And uh, in fact, I got to see him live at TwitchCon back in 2017. Oh, how cool. And he was brilliant. It was yeah. really, really fun. It was one of my favorite events at the at the conference. Very nice. So, and I have so many Linux YouTube channels that I watch that is hard for me to narrow it down. But here are just a just a, a very few. Like Ryan, I love Steve's very own, the Sunday Linux Coffee Clatch. Mo- most of the 
the viewers and patrons there are, are also ours here on yeah. Destination Linux. So that's it's very yeah, special. He stole them share. from us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we share. Yeah. And and it's really nice <laughs> oh, having yeah, him share. on the Linux Saloon too, co-hosting. I I love that. I'm so happy he's he's helping us out. Right. And I also love love Jeff Gearling. He is he does Raspberry Pi projects and tweaks, um, getting everything from Raspberry Pi clusters going to getting a real GPU, external GPU running on the Raspberry Pi. He's he's amazing for those of us who love to tinker. And, yeah. <laughs> and of course, the DOS Geek Channel. Who also was... does Raspberry Pi clusters. Yes, you do. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. And you just have brilliant videos on security and you're you're amazing, Ryan. And I was right. I was a, a patron of Ryan's before I even came on to Destination Linux. That's so. true. It's true. <laughs> you've been you've been with me a long time. Somehow you suffered through all of my original content. <laughs> yeah. And still liked me at the end, which is yeah. amazing. Speaks volumes about you. <laughs> and I also love Tanel Vision. I've been watching Twill for years and I wanted to tell you. Years she's ago, she finally gave it up. Oh no! Years ago, when I started watching, my husband was so impressed, and he goes, "Do you see this guy? He does Linux news so beautifully." Nice, thank you. Yay! Thank you. I put a lot of effort into it, and I'm I'm glad it shows. Yeah, and I also love Nerd on a Budget. He is a a tech YouTuber, but he's really wonderful at uh, showing you how you can build the the least expensive machine on a budget to game on and and do content instructions creation. unclear just bought a two thousand dollar laptop yeah don't understand <laughs> this budget thing <laughs> yeah well he he goes into every every budget but he has his focus is on you know kind of the 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 new user and trying to get into cool. uh, building systems he and then i also have fresh baked Disney. He is one of my mm. favorite Disney <laughs> YouTubers and vloggers. He also does podcasts. Nice. And he does uh, Disney news every day. And he's the one I find out about all the things before I go to Disneyland mm. every month. <laughs> so, and he's brilliant. And this week, Mickey things. Mouse tripped and broke his ankle. We <laughs> hope to see him on what, what happens at Disney news. <laughs> Minnie Mouse smacked Mickey Mouse in public. And. <laughs> No, it, it's a little more uh, important than that. Minnie Mouse was seen last week with Goofy at a restaurant. Yeah. Mickey so he Mouse does, has no comment. He does I don't construction think it's a drama updates. channel for Disney. Yeah. He does construction updates and what's going on in the, uh, mostly focused on the Disneyland, Disneyland Park here in Southern okay. California. Gotcha. So. Well, very cool. So there you have it. Those are all of the channels that we watched, Linux-related and un-Linux-related out there. Michael's clearly was the weirdest. Not all of the channels are listed here, because I have hundreds yeah. of channels that well, I could have picked from. obviously, but some of our favorites I mean, and are, also, are here. And to, to imagine like how weird mine were, I mean, once you watch them, you'll get it. Oh yeah, I can't wait to watch Marble <laughs> Olympics. I'm like, yeah. I'm not I'm saying I'm not saying I watch every single video of that thing, but it's fun and, it, and it, it's impressive the quality and, and effort yeah, put into this like and the it. production quality. Oh, Marble boy. Olympics is right on the top of my list. You'll get it. Oh, and then I have all the Star Trek YouTubers I watch, and then there's all the Jill. The, the segment Jill stop vintage computers. <laughs> you, you're the one who kept it going. Right? <laughs> I know. I got 
got hundreds. We know you love right. everyone, Jill. We know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So before we move on from this, I also want to remind everybody that we have new channels for the Tux Digital shows. So each show has their own channel. We'll have it all linked in the show notes. And also go to tuxdigital.com slash subscribe and you get links to everything all in one place. So there's that. So we have new channels for this show, new channels for uh, hardware addicts, and so much more. So check it out. Links in the show notes. And also, there's another thing I want you to check out because it is just fantastic, and that is this episode's sponsor, DigitalOcean. Cloud computing can be, you know, let's say complex, but standing up reliable, affordable cloud infrastructure really doesn't have to be. At DigitalOcean, you can enjoy a comprehensive portfolio of compute, storage, database, and networking products that put your cloud infrastructure in capable hands so you and your teams can get back to doing what matters most building world-changing apps that grow your business. And with DigitalOcean, you get predictable pricing, robust product docs, and services that developers love. That's DigitalOcean. And also, you get support at every stage of growth, from teams of one person to teams of a 1,000 people. With simple, powerful cloud computing, you can get growing at DigitalOcean. And as a listener of the Destination Linux podcast and a member of the Tux Digital community, you can get started for free. In fact, it's better than free because DigitalOcean is giving you a $100 free credit when you go to do.co slash tux2022. That's do.co slash tux2022. So again, get started with your $100 free credit at DigitalOcean's awesome cloud platform by going to do.co slash tux2022. I want to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode of Destination Linux. So for this week, I wanted to talk about mobile on Linux. Specifically, I was looking at some statistics related to mobile, and it was quite fascinating because I know mobile has grown, but I didn't realize how much because there's so many limitations still on a mobile device compared to a desktop or laptop, how much of a market share that mobile has actually taken. And I think this is really important for when we think about where Linux has gone and where Linux is going in the future when we look at this. So from a market share standpoint, they're saying that mobile has now taken 59% of the market and desktop is continuing to decline at 38.65. Now it wasn't but like five years ago where this was flipped and reversed. So mobile's just taking so much market share from being a primary computing device. Now in the US or other places you may say, well, I have both. I've got a phone and I have a laptop and a desktop. But in a lot of places, their mobile phone is their only computer that they have with them or for a lot of people here in the us and others the the new generations coming up that's all they utilize is a phone maybe in a tablet for all of their computing needs so that ridiculous commercial we made fun of that apple was like what's a computer that's becoming more of a reality probably than we would like to believe and if you look at just the mobile traffic percentage so the internet traffic it shows a similar story 56 percent of all traffic is on mobile so it's very clear that mobile usage is starting to overtake, has overtaken the desktop usage. And when you look at even Apple's latest conference that they just ran, speaking of, of Apple, they've put a lot of focus on their new tablets and the ability to basically have multiple desktops and be able to flip between apps and add a lot of desktop functionality into this otherwise mobile kind of tablet device. So it's kind of this weird thing because it's kind of like taking a tablet and turning it into a laptop, but you still have that portability of just carrying a screen around with you, which is interesting. So I guess that discussion is kind of, is a tablet a laptop at this point or not? But 
it's still classified technically as a mobile device. So this kind of brings me to the overall point is where does Linux stand in this? Because if this is true, that so much of the share is moving towards mobile, how is Linux going to compete or is are, is Linux competing at all in this market as it moves or are, is the computer technology going to be moving away from that so fast that Linux can't keep up? And that's kind of the discussion point I want to start on. Well, there's something that we should also talk about and that is Android. So Gross. We've said on the show before there, you know, there is Android and it is based on the Linux kernel. So it is effectively Linux. And we also tell people usually when you're talking about what Linux is, you can you explain it to them that their if their Android phone is, is powered by Linux and that sort of stuff. But it's also kind of a terrible representation of Linux at the same time. I mean, it's kind of the opposite in terms of philosophy from that what we expect mm -hmm. with Linux, like this privacy security, the open software. Yes, certain parts of Android are open, like the AOSP, but all the stuff that's super important with the different apps, those are typically not. So there's, you know, that's kind of an issue that we have. But thankfully, there is work going on in the community to make true Linux options available on mobile. Yeah, there is work from KDE with their beautiful Plasma Mobile. We've got the awesome Pine64 and all yep. the different distros that work on the Pine64 phones and tablets. We have Ubuntu Touch by UbiPorts and, you know, so many other projects attempting to fix Android like Lineage OS and EOS forward slash. Slash e forward slash OS. Oh, that name. Oh, that name. <laughs> yeah. Love what they do, but that name. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting you bring all those up because this is kind of the answer. Android, a lot of people will say, look how popular Linux is. We have Android. And part of that is true, like Michael mentioned. But Android being this terrible representation, doesn't have the privacy, doesn't have the security, doesn't have any of the foundations, frankly, that we expect from a proper open source project. So because of that, yes, technically it's Linux, but this is not something I would want to personally promote like, yeah, Android's Linux because it's just such a bad representation of it. But the work that's being done with some of the open source pieces, like you mentioned, Joe, with Lineage OS and EOS, makes this a more viable product there. And also we got to talk about the fact that Google may be moving away from the Linux kernel and going to Fuchsia or other yeah, things. Fuchsia. So yep. that's a real problem as well. And so it's still... Even if you're someone who's like, I don't care about privacy and security, which, okay. Um, even if you're that kind of person, then you're still going to potentially be losing the Linux ability to talk about Linux being the top mobile phone. Um, and that's also changing as well with Apple's price drops and everything else. Apple's actually overtaking Android in a lot of markets as the top phone. So with that being said, something caught my attention this week that kind of wraps all this together and got me super excited for mobile with Linux. And that was Gnome Shell on mobile, not from Purism, but from the Gnome Foundation, some work there. And I'm telling you, when I was looking at the work they were doing here, I was like, I want, give me, yeah, yeah. give me right now. Um, it's so good looking. And I've always felt Gnome was something that looked like it should be on a mobile device from the activities menu to the way that you can swipe on screen. If you have touchscreen and things, the way the swipe and gesturing system works, it just was like, this would be perfect on a phone or tablet. I said this, I think on Destination Linux like years ago, mm -hmm. that GNOME to me reminds me of a mobile desktop. And seeing what they've been able to do with it just proves I was 100% right. And that's the point of this segment. Thank you all for watching Destination Linux. 
just to prove that I was 100% right. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. nice. Uh, So I got some videos playing in the video version of this episode that shows you that like the demo on the phone and the tablet and stuff like that. So I'm going to leave that for a little bit. But I wanted to talk about the fact that the GNOME Shell interface looks so good now. And I think that, that it's a good option because... I've always been a fan of the way that the the GNOME polish works. I'm not necessarily like my preference is plasma because I like the functionality, but let's face it, GNOME looks beautiful. So having it in the in the phone experience makes a lot of sense. And like you were saying, it does feel like it's a it's a a mobile focused thing. And there's a lot of reasons to that, mostly because it feels like you can just use it on with with touch. And you don't have to worry about other things because it, everything is like big icons and everything is horizontal you know, workspaces, yeah, it just, all of that. Stuff. It just flows yeah. well with a, a mobile experience, so it made sense. But what's funny about it is that for a while, many years, a lot of the developers in the GNOME area or the GNOME realm, I've talked to and don't like that, you know, description. They're they're focused on making a desktop interface, not a mobile interface. So they some of them get a little bit annoyed and maybe even frustrated by those statements about it looking mobile. And now oh, that we I get frustrated when I say it looks like it would be good for mobile. When I say it looks like it would be good for mobile, 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 <laughs> maybe maybe good oh. for mobile. It's a compliment. Why would anybody get frustrated? It's such a compliment to say that you were able to take a desktop experience. And create that synergy between desktop and mobile so that when you're moving between the two, it's one of the reasons I like GNOME, you get that similar feeling and experience, especially with all the laptops coming with touchscreen now. This is just, it's just a natural progression. So it's weird that that, anybody would be offended by that, but um, I said it multiple times, GNOME would look like a great mobile OS, just in case... Oh, um, I, I missed that. that. So I just keep saying it. So <laughs> and, you know, that. Canonical was ahead of the time. They had tried to do it, you know, right. b- bridging the two, but that was kind of before people were really interested in that. So, or it just didn't take off. Yeah, Canonical is, is ahead of the time in a lot of cases. We talked yeah, about they are the progressive. In the previous yeah. episode. I'll have that linked in the show notes <laughs> for those who want to check it out. They were ahead of its time very much on that. And so it's very interesting episode. Check it out. Link in the show notes. But also with this, this gnome... Uh, mobile approach thing. It's funny because of, you know, how you were talking about, like, I think you said it maybe once that it'd be good for mobile. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. And At least twice. <laughs> exactly. And I think this is a great release, like blog post that shows how accurate it is to say that. Because yes. with the, this is also, keep in mind, everyone, this is alpha if that, I would say it's even like super experimental. It's super alpha or whatever you want to call it. Ultra alpha. I don't know. And ultra it's still alpha. ultra alpha. It looks great. Like just already it looks fantastic. So I know that it needs a lot more work in terms of being able to be used by people. And we don't even know if they're going to be putting it in a full branch of the GNOME Foundation or anything. But so far, just based on what they have right now, it looks great. So this was basically, all, all this work was based on a prototype fund grant from the German Ministry of Education and also the Gnome Shell team for the past few months. So in a few months, they've been able to produce this as part of that, that fund in that grant. And the work here is amazing, but the scope of it is that they're not going to add in messaging and call features and all of that. 
It's really kind of the daily driving shell GUI interface that they're working on, like the basics of navigating, launching apps, searching on-screen keyboards, those type of things they think are in context with this. But then the worst part of that is kind of like, okay, when the fund runs out, then this work kind of stops. I mean, it's always there because it's open source, but mm. I want to see this taken to completion because when you look at the screenshots here, this looks like a completely modern, well-baked, ready to go out of the box mobile experience that I've been looking for that would actually truly represent Linux well uh, in the mobile space. And I think when you look at the statistics, Linux needs to get into the mobile space. And none of this clown $2,000 phones that have specs from 1980s. I'm talking we need serious yeah. <laughs> contenders here that people in the market who are not just to. enthusiasts would take seriously. And yes. this is something that could represent that. Yes. Oh, boy. Can we just talk about this right now? Gnome on mobile is giving me WebOS nerd chills. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Love it. I just, For sure. Just, all you have to do, that, that was the first thing I thought about when I saw the videos. Just look at the cards flipping by and the menu popping up from the bottom. I mean... It's WebOS, basically. It feels the a lot like yeah. WebOS. It's funny it sure because does. when if you go back to <laughs> like the early stages of GNOME, like GNOME 3.4 or whatever, it feels even like WebOS back then. And yeah. I, I don't think I made a video about it, but we talked about it in a previous episode. We talked yeah, about our love of WebOS and why <laughs> it was awesome. So just to be clear, this is not a jab at GNOME for making it look like WebOS. This is awesome because we are all big fans of WebOS because WebOS was amazing. And it was essentially the go-to Linux operating system for the phone. And it's a shame that it's gone, but in the sense that GNOME sort of looks like it's going to be pulling that back in, I'm excited. And like you were saying, it's very similar. And there were so many things that if mm -hmm. you compare like the old HP touchpad with WebOS yeah. To Absolutely. like just the basics of how the old versions of GNOME looked, it looked very similar. And now when they moved it, like the dock to the bottom, like you said, it changed it to look almost exactly like the WebOS, which I'm happy about. This is not a again not a jab. We are all fans of WebOS, so I I'm looking forward to it, and hopefully they can take some more inspiration from WebOS because that's an awesome operating system. In the demo that Definitely. they're doing here is so snappy and so <laughs> fast. That's the other thing that really blew yeah. my mind. Like when they're when he's flipping through the screens. Number one, he's they've made the interface so that you can only you only have to use one finger. The one entire hand. video, the person's using one finger to move between all of the screens there, which is absolutely amazing in itself. So they they've been thinking about it. and they're using the Pine sixty four, which is a really good mm -hmm. phone for a really great price that you could get into a lot of people's hands. First of all, Federal Ministry of Education and Research. Thank you for creating this yeah. fund. But my next question is, how do we keep this going? How do we get this from where it's at to the finish line where I can actually run this thing full time and out of alpha? We need more development on this. I hate that at what, what's out of scope for this because I feel like they are so far ahead of so many of the other mobile operating systems right now from a design viewpoint. Yeah, Ryan, I th really think we need to pitch this to the Linux Foundation to keep the funding going on this. Yeah. This is or something the, the Linux community needs so desperately. Absolutely. Or the GNOME Foundation, you know, maybe they could yeah. jump in and start funding it. Like there's 
I think that there's a lot of potential for this particular project. And if it were to, you know, just disappear overnight because the funding ran out, that would be a shame because there's so much potential for this approach to mobile Linux that I would be so sad to see it go away with like when we get so close to the, the experience, the interface looks so good and it's just like the inner workings that they need help with and you know the, the applications and stuff and you could in theory you know can make some convergent applications for the desktop and the mobile and have that as a benefit and i think there'd be a lot of things now i know there are other uh, operating systems that exist like plasma mobile and ubuntu touch and we're not saying that those are bad i no, they're we just, awesome. yeah, we're, yeah we're big fans of those too i just think the the polish of this in a super ultra alpha mm-hmm. it's so impressive already like i mean yeah so i i think gnome foundation they could even do a drive for donations specific to this yeah a lot of people when they see this video are going to want to have this and want to play with this and honestly i don't want there to be one like i wouldn't want when you mentioned multiple other projects michael like i want there to be plasma mobile i want there to be the ubuntu touch like that's the problem we're in right now is there's two options ios pretty much or Android, or some variation of Android, which the variations of Android can be more private and secure, but that's the problem we're in for most of the market who's not willing to go in there and flash a new OS on their phone because their phones aren't going to come with any of these operating systems. There's only two options. So I, in Linux world, if we're going to have a true mobile solution, I want multiple solutions. I don't want just one. So you could choose, do I want KDE Plasma on my phone or do I want GNOME on my phone? no mobile or whatever they're going to call it. I, I just think it would be awesome. Yeah, that that would be great. And maybe we can even have like a collective, you know, like have a, maybe there'd be a foundation, you know, like there's an automotive foundation for Linux on automotive. There you go. A, yeah, a, yeah a foundation absolutely. For this. That we need fantastic. to get in mobile. Mobile is obviously taking a huge amount of the traffic as we've talked about. It is the future and Linux needs to be a part of that. I'm glad we have people thinking about it and doing pieces like this alpha with GNOME Shell but this type of stuff needs to be fully funded if Linux is going to continue to dominate. Yeah, and I also think that it would be beneficial to the desktop for those who think that we're just pushing towards mobile. I think that when you introduce various functionality for the mobile pros, like the gesture navigation and the touch functionality, you could apply that to the desktop and your laptops that have touch as well and a lot of other things because when you have a smaller device, you have to think more efficiently with that space and then you can take the benefits you learn from there and apply it to the desktop and just overall improve everything. And that's the reason why these different facets of computing are so important, why Linux is so great to be a part of all these different things, because with the way that Linux works, having it open and having it a, a an ecosystem that's all interconnected, we have benefits. So we're not just saying, hey, this would be good if we, if we could have this for mobile. It's because this being a a true mobile option would also benefit every other option on the mobile and every other part of Linux, because that's the one of the greatest things about the Linux ecosystem in general. Yep. You know who just recently did it? Valve did with the Steam Deck. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Very true. Valve definitely did. I wonder if I could use the Steam Deck as a phone, you know, like, hey, Michael, how you doing today? Like, this could be my device. That looks super convenient. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, super convenient. <laughs> Although I think it does have a microphone on it and it has speakers, so I'm pretty it sure could you, work. Yeah. it could work. Oh, yeah, it. absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, when you get your mobile operating system, you've got GNOME on it or Plasma Mobile, 
or you've got your desktop computer, you can put Bitwarden on both of those. Mm -hmm. Like right now, you could put Bitwarden literally on everything because this episode of Destination Linux is brought to you by the awesome folks at Bitwarden. Get started right now with your free account at bitwarden.com slash tux. You got to make sure you put that slash tux there so they know you come from the Destination Linux community and we can keep doing these awesome things thanks to the sponsors Bitwarden and DigitalOcean. But Bitwarden is a password manager and software allows you to have peace of mind knowing that your online accounts are secure. They provide you with tools to store all of your passwords in a secured vault, auto-generate those passwords, and now your usernames as well, which is awesome. So you can have random usernames so you're not using the same username across every site that would make it easier for hackers to guess what your username is, and then all they have to do is figure out your password. But if you're randomly generating those, which Bitwarden provides, that gives you additional security. Quick story on that one. I actually used to use the password passphrase thing where you could generate a passphrase, mm. and they were always too long, so I'd have to go in and manually like chop them up a little bit to still use that part of thing. And then now that they have the username, it just makes it so much easier, and it's kind of like, oh, thank yeah. you. Yeah, <laughs> super nice. And you can access your data, like I mentioned, across all your devices from a web browser extension, mobile apps, desktop applications, even the command man line. They make it accessible everywhere. Bitwarden seals and encrypts your private data with end-to-end -end encryption before it ever leaves your device. You're the only person with access to your data. Also, they now have Firefox relay support along with other servers. They keep adding to this, but the price stays the same. They keep adding new features and the price is staying the same. Just $10 per year, you get all of this stuff. But Firefox relay allows you to create dummy email accounts so that you can go to sites, sign up for stuff, but then when you're sick of getting all of their emails and spam, you could just turn it off because it's a dummy email account. So they have incorporated support for that as well. Head right now to bitwarden.com slash tux, spend that $10, get the gigabyte encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, U2F Duo, Vault Health Reports, Bitwarden Authenticator, Priority Customer Support, and so much more. I love Bitwarden. I just love this product. So it's so easy to talk about because yep. they're just amazing. I use it as soon as I set up a new PC. The first thing I do, got to get my Bitwarden set up. Go to bitwarden.com slash tux to get started. And thanks to Bitwarden for sponsoring this episode of Destination Linux. In the news this week, we have something to talk about that is related to your firmware and doing firmware updates. And it's called FWUPD, or as I like to refer to it as FWUPTA. <laughs> Michael, this is a family show, please. I'm Stop. sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay, from this point forward, I will just call it Fwepta. So, Fwepta released version 1.8.1 <laughs> this week, and for those that don't know, this is a very important tool that allows you to do firmware updates on your hardware without having to boot into another operating system like Windows or... <laughs> <laughs> like, ew. So, the Linux Vendor Firmware Service or LVFS, is a secure portal which allows hardware vendors to upload firmware updates, and FWUPTA is a simple daemon allowing you to update devices firmware, including UEFI, and it works with, like, GNOME software. It all, There's also, like, the FWUPTA manager, and then it also works in KD Discover and some other stuff, and there's also more work to make it available to other types of improvements for your operating system to be able to just easily set it up and then when you need to do an update for your firmware, you can just run it through the, through the GUI, and that is just awesome. Yeah, and they've done all kinds of updates here to make it better and easier for logging and events and device composite firmwares and stuff that probably everybody else's eyes would roll in the back of their head, but is very important stuff, and we appreciate Absolutely. all the geekiness, but if yeah. I read it here, it probably wouldn't be interesting to most people. What would be interesting to most people 
is in this release. They also add support for additional hardware like the Corsair Qatar Pro XT, the Sabre Pro, the Qatar Pro Wireless, mm. the HP Thunderbolt dock, Lenovo ThinkPad, Universal Yay. USB-C dock, more <laughs> Pixar wireless devices, Sun Plus IT USB cameras, UFS devices, SteelSeries, Aerox 3 wireless, and Rival 3 wireless. So what does that mean as they keep adding more and more hardware in here? And anytime the vendors do a firmware change, you're going to get those updates. If you're in Discover, for instance, you might get them there. If you're a GNOME software store, you could get those there because those have those stores have those built in, at least in Fedora. And so those are awesome ways that you can get those updates without having to boot into an alternate OS, which I love. I love this project. I love the work being done here. This is so important because prior to this, you'd have to go boot into another OS just to update firmware. That's not fair. They fixed it. Yeah, I love that's it. awesome. Also, there's like the other alternative was to put some some data or an update or patch on a USB drive and then boot into your BIOS and your UEFI to put it yeah. directly. And like so, you don't have to do any of that stuff. And it's just fantastic to be able to just say, oh, I need to update my firmware. Okay, just click and we're done. That's, that's fantastic. I, I've been following the fine work of uh, Richard Hughes. Uh, he's the GNOME maintainer that created the Linux vendor firmware service. And he created it about seven years ago. And it's just been so wonderful seeing the progress. You know, he first he got uh, Dell on board and then HP and then Acer. And it just keeps growing and growing. Each month there's new hardware vendors allowing us to update our BIOSes on Linux directly in Linux. Right. That was a lot of work. And everyone yeah. who worked on that project, I literally love your face. Yes. So thank you so much for this project. Yes. Thank you very much. And also thank you for Fwapta. Fwapta. Fwabada is what I call it. Fwabada. I think it actually is supposed to be Fwapdi or something like that. But I No, um, it's Fwabada. Fwabada? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we have a beautiful game we're going to be talking about today called the Spirit Fairer Farewell Edition. Oh, I thought it was Spitfarer the whole <laughs> <No>. time. No, <laughs> Spiritfarer. Spirit. All right, well, at least they didn't take the name for my game idea, Spitfarer. <laughs> yeah. That'd be awesome. So Spiritfarer is actually a base building game with a beautiful and well-written story that will actually bring tears to your eyes. What you do with your main character is you're guiding the, the spirits of people that are close to dying to bring their wishes come true and then send them off to the, the, their next journey in the next world. <laughs> wow, that sounds so dark, Jill. Yeah, but it the it really does. And when I first read the description, I'm like, oh no, I don't, I don't, I don't like sad games. But yeah. this game is so beautiful. The it's got beautiful hand drawn animation. Again, the story is beautiful. It, it's intended for kids and adults alike too. Yeah. So it's it it has a very positive outlook on when you you go to die so yeah well see i would <laughs> take really michael's beautiful. spirit to his stool and say you can <laughs> finally sit on it and use this thing you bought years ago that's I what i use would, it I would guide your spirit Ryan, there i use it occasionally don't worry i got you michael sometimes i'm gonna yeah. be your Although, spirit fairer what's what's <laughs> interesting is that this this game when i first saw its premise i also thought like that's kind of dark but I included the video 
on the uh, video version of the show, I included a video of the game so you can see what we're talking about and how it's it looks so beautiful, beautiful and it's yeah. it's a very it's a completely different game of what you think it is based on that description. Yeah. But absolutely. It, it does look pretty cool. And also I think it's on discount right now. Like it's on sale right now. You can pick it up right now for nine dollars. This game too has over seventeen thousand overwhelmingly positive, positive yeah. reviews. So when you think about the darkness and we we're making jokes about that, uh, listen, so many people found so much joy in this game and the art style and the concept here. It's, you can't deny, imagine being a game developer and having 17,278 overwhelmingly positive reviews is an accomplishment in itself. Very awesome work that this team put together. Definitely something worth $9 to pick up and check out. Yeah. So pick it up for $9 and it's it's normally $30. So go grab it now. And hey, Jill, we also, could play it on our Steam Deck and Michael yes. can't. But me and in you fact, can. in yeah. fact, I played about 30 minutes or so on my Steam Deck and it nice. played beautifully. I played the demo beautifully, and then I bought it. Yeah. It played really well. And without any mm-hmm. you know, there was no curation on it yet. So I'm perfect. I'm going to uh, tell Valve this game plays really well <laughs> and go to Proton awesome. TV and do that. <laughs> well, thank you, Jill, for talking to us about Spitfarer. My favorite. Oh, Spirit. Spiritfarer. <laughs> Spiritfarer. Farewell edition. Yeah, I'm yeah, going like to create Spitfarer. You're fairy. You guide your spirits. spirits. You guide your spit. <laughs> you're guiding your spirits, not your spit, your spirits. Oh, that changes everything. I was wondering why you guys thought it was dark. I mean, <laughs> you guide your spit to the fair. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> so, in our software spotlight this week, we're going to talk about something that I've absolutely fallen in love with. In fact, I'm going to do a video on this. It's so good. Uh, Raspberry Pi Imager. Uh, Raspberry Pi Imager is one of my favorite little GUI tools right now. As you all know, I am building a Kubernetes cluster with Raspberry Pis. And part of that is you have to put an image on all of the Raspberry Pis that you're putting into the cluster. This could take a lot of time. Thankfully, especially when you're doing things like enabling Wi-Fi and setting up SSH that you want at the beginning and a lot of the software that you download for the OSs don't have that enabled by default. And I found that some of the instructions online we're basically bricking some of the devices there. So I'd have to reflash the images. And then I was like, let me try this gooey Raspberry Pi imager. And it just worked so perfect. I was able to set up the settings that I need to buy Raspberry Pi and create the micro SD cards for each of them so that they're similar, get them set up. It's sleek looking, it's idiot proof by the reason that I can use it. And it's fast. Uh, as well. So it works perfectly in Fedora, which is where I tested it. You can get your Raspberry Pi imager set up and use that to start working on your cluster, which by the way, Michael, I had this really funny segment in the last episode where I interrupted you with what you've been up to this week. And I started talking about my cluster. Mm -hmm. And when Uh, I was watching the edited version, you had taken that out. And I (laughs) want to say shame on you. I don't remember <laughs> taking that out. I don't. I, I distinctly remember, let's see, uh, cutting this segment entirely because you interrupted me, Ryan. It was my <laughs> time to shine. <laughs> so don't make me kill Dash Nine. Uh, yeah. uh, anyway. Well, listen. I'm done with the software spotlight, so it's your time to shine again, Michael. Thanks, buddy. 
Thanks. Buddy. What I like in the tip of the week is mm. X-Rander. X-Rander so is X-Rander such... So X-Rander is the tip of the week. Yes, Ryan, that's correct. Yes. <laughs> oh, did I steal your thunder? My bad. <laughs> you so, so when you run into issues with monitor configurations like Ryan did recently, this is a command you should know, X-Rander. So X-Rander is a configuration utility to the R and R, or resize and rotate, X window system. It can give you details on resolutions, ports in use, hertz, and with the available switches, you can get a whole lot more information. It's, it's good tools to have at hand when you're dealing with multiple monitors or any kind of monitor issues. And Ryan, like I said, had a, a, a recent issue with one of his monitors. So could you go into some details about that, Ryan? So I was on Fedora 36. Well, before 36. you get to that, I want to give you a quick interruption so that I can uh, uh, annoy you the same way you did to me. <laughs> yeah. Okay, now you can go back. Well done. So I was on Getting Fedora 36, and <laughs> I had a three-monitor setup, and I did an update, and suddenly one of my monitors that was using DisplayPort, poof, just stopped working. Now, I needed to see, is this an issue with a cable or other things, or is it actually being detected? there in the operating system. So I could use XRander, for instance, to see that it was detected, to see that it was detecting at the proper resolution and the proper Hertz and all of that. So that was a very powerful tool for me to use in that case. I ended up opening up a bug thanks to Neil uh, support and kind of walking through some potential fixes and things. We decided we were gonna open a bug against Kwin. I've been really impressed with the KDE team, by the way, how fast they got to the bug and started working on the issue that I had. Um, right now, we were able to delete a specific file, the K-Screen configuration file, and that brought the monitor back up. And now they want a comparison between the old and new. So I've put all of that into the ticket and I'm doing my part, Michael, in helping resolve this issue by Finally. opening bug reports. Finally, See? you're good doing But one of the cool things I was able to do is give them my X-Render output in the initial ticket so that they could have that information and see that it was actually detecting it properly in there. So that was part of the troubleshooting steps and as well as installing another desktop environment and things like that to try it. Actually, we did some troubleshooting doing the after show patron after show, which was a lot of fun with all the patrons and got a lot of tips and help there. But the point of this is learning tools like that so that you can get important information to know what's going on with your system. XRander is one of those you want to keep in your toolbox. And there's a very special use case I have for XRander, Michael and Ryan. It's something that I use weekly. XRander is what I use to game spanning on all of my three big monitors on my broadcasting rig. Nice. It allows you to combine multiple monitors into one huge size canvas that games or any other application. This way they can see all your three screens as one big monitor and span across. Nice. And cool. I've literally spent, honestly, altogether, probably well over 100 hours trying to find the right tool for this job. Wow. <laughs> because, you know, in the, in the old days, we used to use Zynorama uh, to accomplish this. And that was a, a bit tedious to set up, but you... you could eventually get it to work. It was always finicky, depending on what distro you're using and what window managers. <laughs> but XRander, it's just easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Once you find your right commands, <laughs> it is just fine. I use the XRander set monitor command. And then when you re reboot the system, it goes back to default. <laughs> So Very nice. It's, it's easy. That's it's an just... awesome use case, especially for people to do like car simulation racing games where you want all three monitors to exactly. look like a cockpit, flight simulators, Rocket League, Portal, Rock, 
Rocket yeah. League. And yeah. you know, I was doing this years ago when Linux was was uh, new to gaming, and that was my goal is to be able to get all the games to span across the three monitors. And it is tough. <laughs> I Very used to cool. have to go into each game's configuration files and adjust them all, but now you can just do it with one command with X render. <laughs> That's very awesome, awesome stuff. So That's easier. a great use case for that. If you want to yeah. see uh, what it looks like when you see Jill playing a game on that, she actually <laughs> did a little bit of a demo in episode 272 of Destination Linux where we did a studio tour, and you could check it out. Her video was the third, was the last one we just, we played in the episode because we didn't want to like we wanted to save the best for last. Nobody wants to compete against Jill. We didn't Nobody wants follow to follow Jill. Jill's yeah. video. Yeah. We just didn't want to follow yeah. Jill. Of course not. So check it out where she plays Portal 2 on that episode, how it linked in the show notes. So for events that Der Hans has his own segment for, let me get through those. But first, before we get to Der Hans events, we got to talk about a charity stream that Matt from GameSphere and Linux Out Loud is doing. Another charity stream. June 20th through the 21st. I say another because these are 24-hour streams, which are brutal, <laughs> absolutely brutal on the body when you're doing a 24-hour stream. Four-hour streams are brutal, so 24. Yeah, sitting there for 24 hours playing games and entertaining people and chat and things. Last time, we had so many amazing people from the community just show up to chat, either live. They joined him in the live chat in the Jitsi or whatever he had going. I think it was Discord, maybe at the time, or they were actually chatting in the YouTube chat and things, and that helped keep mm -hmm. him awake to complete the 24-hour challenge there. So set your calendars June 20th through the 21st. This is for an awesome cause. It's Cure, Citizens United for Research in Epilepsy. This is very personal to Matt as well because he has a family member that's affected by this. It's a great cause. It's a great way to go and troll Matt, who deserves it tremendously. Uh, you control them all 24 hours. At least that's my plan. So check out June 20th through the 21st. Mark that down for Matt's charity stream. We also have Southeast Linux Fest, June 10th through the 12th, which is being taken place in Charlotte Airport in Charlotte, North Carolina. You have the Open Source Summit North America, which is June 21st through the 24th in Austin, Texas. On the 25th, you have... Guadic. Guadic for the GNOME community. <laughs> and, oh, I like how you've phonically wrote it out for me there, yeah, Michael Guadek. Like I could just look down. Yeah. And it's in Guadalajara, Mexico. Perfect. Thank you for phonically that writing good. that out for me. Perfect. Yay. Thank you, Michael. You're and welcome, we have buddy. Scale, which Michael, myself, and Jill will be at live meeting each other for the first time, July 28th through the 31st. You don't want to miss that. And Nest with Fedora is virtual August 4th through the 6th, and they have a call for proposals and sponsors right now on that. So a big thank you to each and every one of you for supporting us by watching or listening to Destination Linux. However you do it, we love your faces. We're here every Sunday, usually at 1 p.m. Eastern, unless Ryan has an emergency thing pop up or somebody else does, but usually 1 p.m. Eastern live at dlnlive.com. The best part, everyone is invited to watch the recording of Destination Linux mm -hmm. each and every week. We can't wait to see you in the chat. We also have our glorious patrons usually joining us for the live stream and where they join us in the the 60,000 square foot virtual stadium and they also get to hang out with us every episode almost every episode in the patron post show so that we have the patron only post show that you can join us right after the show when we get done recording on Sundays 
Not this week, but next week for sure. (laughs) So we'll see you all at the Patron Post Show next week. And if you would like to join, become a patron to get into that Patron Post Show, you can go to tuxdigital.com slash contribute to sign up, as well as you can use that link to sign up for other shows on the network. And for those who are patrons this week, and you you're you unfortunately you missed to be able to watch this one. However, you will get to see the unedited version, which I'll be publishing very soon, right after we record. So if you are, a you patron, don't want to miss it. Yeah, I you got get some yeah. good jabs at Michael that he will <laughs> yeah, cut out like he did last week. I only I cut it out for time, Ryan. It wasn't because you interrupted. Yeah, sure. It was because it was for time. <laughs> sure. That's the only reason. Like this week, I'm going to cut out many things you say for time. So, <laughs> so check out the unedited version. Become a patron to check it out. And for those who are curious, we have all sorts of great extra content in the unedited version. So I do have to cut it for time sometimes, but there's a lot of great stuff, especially on the streams and right now. So be sure to check that out if you want to get some more information, more content from the Destination Linux podcast. Also, you can get t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, stickers, coasters, and so much more stuff by going to tuxdigital.com slash store. Make sure to check out all the amazing shows here on Tux Digital. We have the Pseudo Show, This Week in Linux, the Dust Geek Channel, Woohoo, Linux Out Loud, Hardware Addicts, GameSphere, and our virtual Linux user group, Linux Saloon. Everyone head to TextDigital.com and subscribe to all these great shows. And don't forget to leave a rating on your favorite app so others can discover the power of open source and keep those penguins marching in the full Monty of Linux and open source awesome sauce. Everybody have a great week. And remember that the journey itself is just as important as the destination. Thanks, everyone. Woohoo! See you next week. Yay! <laughs>